our scripture and our teaching today just lend itself to a certain kind of setting. But the dilemma was mansions or cemeteries? Cemeteries or mansions? Let's do both. We're gonna open with a poem that became a hymn by William Featherstone. My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin I resign. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee in life, I love thee in death, and I will love thee as long as thou lendest me breath. And say when the death dew lies cold on my brow, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. In mansions of glory and endless delight, I'll ever adore thee in heaven so bright. I'll sing with the glittering crown on my brow, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. That was a poem written by William Featherstone. He was either 12, 16 years of age. He was a teenager. He was not this experienced hymn writer. He penned it as a poem, sends it to his aunt who lives in Los Angeles, and she publishes it immediately. This is back around 1860-something. And getting hold of that poem was the founder and president of Gordon College back in the Boston area, Adoniram Gordon. And he put it to music. And this has been a song that has spoken to the reality of the assurance of our salvation, of the fact that we get to be in this incredible love relationship with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and that how we give honor and glory to God right now matters immensely. Our first scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians 15. It is foundational for what Paul speaks to the Corinthians years later in what we're teaching on in 2 Corinthians 5. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For when the trumpet will sound, we will be raised imperishable. For the perishable must put on the imperishable, the mortal must put on immortality. Then the saying that is written will come true, where, O death, is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord, it is not in vain. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we're clothed, we're not going to be found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, this is the one who fashioned us for this very purpose, is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. 
Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For if we live by faith, not by sight, we're confident. I say, and, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please God, whether we are at home or away from this body. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, receiving what is due us for the things done, which, well, whether they're good or bad. Well, we're going to unpackage that 2 Corinthians chapter 5 passage of Scripture in our teaching today. And I might just throw out, this is, I am so excited about sharing this. This is high-end important stuff. Uh, I'm going to share a couple of things that if you've hung around me for a while, you may have heard on on occasion. And here's one of those things. Uh, Years ago when I took up long distance running, and years ago I've given up long distance running, but years ago when I took it up, I told myself this. I said, you know, it's not just going to be for my physical being, it's for my spiritual being. I'm going to get closer to God. I'm going to pray more, I tell you what. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray on those long runs. Well, I found that my prayers went um, not as deep as I thought. They were a little bit more, oh, 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 oh Lord, help me. Oh, 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 God Almighty, that hurts. Help, Lord, help. It's a lot, of, a lot of requests. There were a lot of requests uh, uh, going out, a lot of prayers of supplication and, and agony and all that. But uh, after a while, after you kind of, you know, build up some kind of base, I remember I was going out on a on a 10-mile run, kind of had this favorite trail. And I went on it later than I usually did. Uh, coming back, it's very dusk. Uh, there's a trailhead where you park your car. It's an out and back kind of experience. And the last mile and a half is, is canopied by the trees. Well, I am a little bit over a mile away, and I thought I saw the lights of the cars going by on the road. And I went, well, I must be much closer to ending this run than I thought. But then when I check out the mile markers, Oh no, I'm, I'm still a good distance away. It's just that somehow as the lights hit, as the canopy was from that distance and getting you know less than a mile and a half mile, it was like, I could see the end. And then it hit. Jim, I want you to get this. I want you to live your life in light of eternity. I want you to live your life the fact that you can see the end of the run. I want you to live that every step. And so that's the gist of of where we're going. That's what the word of God uh, is speaking to us. As we wind up studying up this passage of scripture, I couldn't help but walk us through 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as well. When we look at the people of Corinth and what, what Paul was saying to them, very interesting. Uh, 1 Corinthians winds up having 16 chapters, and one is totally dedicated to what it means to have the resurrection of, 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 our, of the body, what it means for us when Christ raises us from the dead. That's what God, And then uh, 2 Corinthians has 13 chapters. One chapter is totally dedicated to the same. So we're studying the chapter out of 2 Corinthians and So there's some theological things to unpack, but here's what I think is also going on a little bit. Paul would have had some some journals, some little little books, some some things he would have written on and and saved off to the side. These are so utterly poetic. Uh, What what we found in the writing of the letters, there would be a time you go, oh, let let me me give you a poem. There's, There's a sense that these are in some kind of poetic form as well as Paul is sharing these and unpacking them. And what we're gonna do is, 
we're going to put just flat observations from 2 Corinthians 5 in these boxes. And as we look at what it means to have earthly tents and buildings from God that were given uh, these eternal house in heaven, there's, there's a dual dwelling kind of concept that we have in mind, earthly tents. Uh, how many of you... Uh, how many of you like tent camping? Can you raise your hand? I, I applaud you. I applaud you. I just want you to know that, that in the Bible, tents are described as temporary kind of housing that someday we're excited to exit as far as that goes. Uh, uh, went out uh, in, in uh, so it's like cabins, baby, bring on some cabins. Uh, because because I, it seems like when you get out there in the tents, uh, last time I took a hike, I was hiking beside a porcupine all in all. I mean, not right beside, but you know, with a fearful distance. I, but Terry, my wife grew up tent camping. So what do you, oh yeah, we, there were some bears out in the woods. There were some skunks and you, you just camped in a tent. What were you thinking? It's like, I don't, the, you, an, an earthly tent and a bear just do not seem to uh, coincide together, nor is going to put, put get, get, get a building. So there's this sense that what we're given now uh, is, is temporary stuff. Uh, here, here's something familiar. Uh, I, I, I read up that sometimes I don't know if everybody knows this reference, but Doctor Who, 110 million people do know who Doctor Who is, but he is a time lord. Uh, when, he, when he gives up the, the, his, his, this earth, when, when his earthly body goes, he just, he just regenerates and gets another one. Apparently this, this franchise show is never going to end. The BBC figured this out a long time ago that they just keep bringing back Doctor Who's and Doctor Who's and they reject. Just go, you're a Time Lord, friend. It's more of a one and done kind of experience for us that when we give up this earthly tent, we have an eternal mansion. That's, that's the dual dwelling that God provides for us. Uh, it is utterly amazing. Then it says, meanwhile, we groan. Uh, I'm gonna put the word appropriate here. We groan. While we're in this tent, uh, and it goes on to say, we won't be found naked. I'm going to unpackage that a little bit more. For while we're in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal might be swallowed up by yeah, what is life? Um, <laughs> Terry uh, was having this little conversation with me as I, I can't remember what I was doing, but, but spouses, if you ever disappoint your loved one, it was one of those kind of moments. And she, she looks at me and goes, so what good are you? You're, you're, oh, my knees hurt. Oh, it's my shoulder now. No, oh, my head. I, I'm dizzy. I'm spinning. You know, those kind of things like that. And, and then I, then I quoted from the savior, honey, in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> But take heart, Jesus says, you have overcome the world. I don't know if that was the best time to quote the words of the Savior uh, to my beloved, but, but quote them we did. And uh, anyway, uh, we're still seeing how that lands. But there's this, there's this sense that, <laughs> you know, I had this in my head. We are going to groan about stuff. Stuff's gonna hurt and stuff's gonna ache and stuff's gonna fall apart. I see some walkers and some rolly things around here. You know, you get, some of you were on, you know, a handful of physical therapy regimens. There is this sense, this appropriate groan that you have. Jeremiah put this song together, my soul longs. And when you sang it, you resonated with it. 
Why is it? Because you have this appropriate growth. Not just that the physical stuff in your body gets better, but that the stuff that is awry, the injustices in this world, the things that aren't right, you groan because you know that the Lord God Almighty has better intentions than the way this world is going. And you just know it, and you just know it, and you just know it. And so there is this appropriate groan. And what the beauty is, as we live our lives every day, and step with God is one of the things we're doing is, yeah, we're going to heaven and take as many people with us as possible. That's the gist of what we're talking about. But we're also about making atmospheres that look as close to heaven on this side of eternity. And so we, we go for it, but we know that it's only going to get so good because this is not God's eternity yet. We want to be in the building that God is creating. We have this longing and we want to create that atmosphere. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit of what is to come. So we have a Holy Spirit deposit. This is, this is just good stuff. God is with you. God is transforming you. One of the things that we read the word of God, God is not just preparing us for eternity, that we will receive this resurrected, transformed, time Lord kind of body that, that our mind and our body and anything on this side of eternity that you think is great, that you go, oh, I hope that's, you know, whether it's golf or chili dogs or, you know, whether it's the, whether it's the hoedown dance or whatever it is that you, oh, you think that it might not, hey, whatever there is about that, it is just a shadow of the reality of what God's going to have in heaven. So, so it's, if, you're, if your heart's longing for something, it's going to be even more real than what we have now. There's not going to be, there's, angels are not longing to become humans to experience the things that we experience. I, I know it plays in the movies, but that's not the reality. Now, here's the reality, that, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is transforming us from one glory into ever-increasing glories, meaning that we're already becoming who we are going to be for all of eternity. So, things like greed and lust and uh, anger and dissension and jealousy, those things are going to have no place in eternity. So if those things are beginning to take hold of us in our lives, here's the Holy Spirit deposit stuff, that's the stuff the Holy Spirit wants out of us. And infusing within us is wisdom and joy and, and energy and a productive stewardship mindset that everything that God is getting, those are... So when we move into God's eternity, the stuff that God has already put into us holds and then becomes even more real as we're ushered in. And so the Spirit is already putting in place the things that we're intended to have for all of eternity. Well, um, therefore, we are always confident. Catch that confidence there. And we know that as uh, we are home at the body, uh, that we uh, are away from the Lord. And uh, so we live by faith, not by sight, and we have this amazing, confident faith. I don't know if you have patient pants or a patient hat or patient shoes, but put them on. <laughs> 
Whatever it is that you need to, if, if God gave you a patient hat or if God gave you patient pants or if God gave you patient shoes, this is where they come into play. Waiting on God is okay. And although it says, I prefer to be away from the body, I am at home with the Lord. Paul says, if you're watching the Olympics and you see some of these athletes, there's a sense before they perform what they have practiced and what they've trained for, they kind of have this little confident swagger about them. There's this air of they're gonna go, well, they seem to know about their business. This is you, child of God. This is you on this side of eternity, that you have a humility. It's like we, we, we realize and recognize that this world does not revolve around us. We realize the story is not about us. It is God's story, and God's given us a place, and God's given us a role, and God's given us some lines, and there's some times that come on, and we, we, we play the part that God has given us, but this story is not about us, you know, just... And then all of a sudden, when we start making the story about ourselves, we just wind up becoming utterly disappointed all the time anyway, don't we? When, when our world becomes really small and we make it about ourselves, the confident faith says that this, this is faith in Christ. And all of a sudden, I'm going to get in sync with, with who God wants me to be and about the things that God is allowing me to do. And all of a sudden, we realize, no, I'm not all that, but I am big time stuff because God's given me something significant to do and to be and to live into and people's lives to touch. And I'm a child of God. I'm not the central character of the story, but wow, did God ever give me a role to play? So we make it our role, our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us might receive what is due us, uh, whether, whether, we've, whether it's good or or bad. How does that end there? All right. Yeah, while we were, like, that is how it ends. There is a judgment day. That says day. <laughs> For real. We don't talk about that a lot, do we? There is a real judgment day coming. Um, so let's please God. And what pleases God? Scripture says it is a broken and contrite heart that pleases God. I know that immediately when, when we read just that word right there, but when we read the totality of the New Testament, we begin to understand that what God wants from us is not just to go, let me do a bunch of good things and make up for the bad things I've done. It's like, yeah, that game doesn't work in what God, God wants us to say, oh, Lord, forgive me. I want to follow you. Because, because when we talk about judgment day is coming and doing things that please God, what begins to hit is like, oh, I've cheated people, family and friends. I've lied. To, I've, I've abused situations. I've, I've cursed God. Jesus bore our sins. Jesus, Jesus suffered once for all sins for those who are just and those who are unjust that he might bring them to God. Will you let the Son of God bring you to God? And I would encourage you that you would make it the day. We're gonna share communion in a little bit. You can seal this home in your spirit of communion. Uh, you can text, we got a number that you would text life to in regards to us being able to have a conversation with you to follow through and to be baptized. But here's the moment in the teaching and the service where we really want to declare that, you know, you can reaffirm your love to God in this moment, but maybe some of us are crossing the line of faith in a way that it is the, the definitive sense of, yeah, that is who I need to be. That is who I am. And we so 
want you to follow through. Um, you are not a body that happens to have a soul. I, I know we see that in the physical. You are an eternal soul that happens to have an earthly tent for a little while that is on its way to your soul having an eternal dwelling that God is making and God is creating. Well, these are the observations along the way. Now, we're gonna move into what, uh, at least what it tell me in my, little, in my little study books is kinda like interpretive analysis, and so we're gonna, we're gonna take these just a, a little step deeper, that what it means is that your final, your final chapter, it's just your preface. It, your end is not your end. The angel sits on the stone that was rolled away. He has risen. And if he has risen, he makes it possible for you to as well. Uh, but this is just the preface to what is ahead. Yep, there's pain. <laughs> There's a problem of pain. There's a whole set of teaching that, that we can do on this, but know this, that all things work for good. Others might have intended evil, but your God is so good. He can flip the scene. He can, he can give you a better theme. God's goal is for your wholeness. And so sickness and sin, they still stalk this planet. But here's the difference. Neither sickness nor sin has dominion over the people of God. If Jesus heals you instantly, praise him for it. And if you are still waiting for healing, then, then trust him for it. But your, your suffering is your message. It is part of the grand story that God is allowing you to tell. This Holy Spirit deposit <clears throat> gives us incredible power. The power of the Spirit of God is alive in your midst. Terry and I were biking around Reed's Lake. It's just a simple four-mile bike ride, but there's, there's a few more hills. We never biked around Reed's Lake before, and there were some hills. And sure enough, I just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of trudging up my hills. And I, and I realize I'm leaving my, my wife behind. I am but I ain't going back. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going back. I'm not so like, I think I would fall. I just, I'm going. And coming, coming down the hill, I, I, you know, there's, there's one of these, you know, tall women who looks like she's ridden up that hill. It's like, it wouldn't be tough for her to do that. She's a little older than we are. And I just kind of smiled at her and said, hey, um, root her on for me. You know, I'm going up the hill and Terry's, Terry's, you know, and, and she's coming up the hill. And I could hear this lady say something to Terry and Terry gets up the hill and she's smiling, Terry's smiling. You know, her husband's gone on before her. You know, I'm, I've exited and, and she gets up there and goes, that lady, she was great. She said, you can make it. And I thought, yeah, I can, I can keep pedaling. Yeah, I'll keep pedaling. She said, you are a strong and powerful woman. Yes, I'm a strong and powerful woman. There's, these are the kinds of things that the Spirit of God speaks into your midst through issues of your pain, that you can make it. You are strong. You are powerful. I've done, others, yeah, have gone before you, and we need to claim and take hold of the power that God wants to bring. And uh, that there is a positive dynamic, that there is a certainty of the assurance of your salvation, that, that, that you can know that you know that you know that he sought you and he bought you and he's coming for you and he's not given up on you. And 
I'm going to write this next one here. You prepare for judgment day. So there's a gentleman back in the 1970s named Carl McCann. He's a Texan. He moved to Alaska, started uh, driving truck for the pipeline up there. And, but his big goal was to really uh, photog- uh, take photography of the, uh, of what is that? Oh, yeah, up, up in the Yukon. That's what I'm looking for. So he made all these plans. He had 1,400 pounds of provisions, got dropped off in the middle of the wilderness, and he spent five months there. And this, is, this, is, this story doesn't land well for poor Carl because he never planned for somebody to pick him up. Isn't that, isn't that, and, and, and he writes, and we find his journal later, and this is what he writes down. He had no exit strategy. I think I should have uh, made, <laughs> I think I should have made more foresight about arranging my departure. Your departure from this earthly tent, God's got you. You just need to open up and say, Lord God Almighty, I am yours. I'm your child. Forgive me. I want to follow you. Uh, it's, it's amazing how many people, there, I looked it up, out of 1,000 people, eight people will pass away out of that 1,000 uh, worldwide. Uh, no more getting born than that. But the, but the numbers are astronomical of, of six million people every year in the United States. I might have messed that up. I didn't write that down. Don't call me. Google it. See how many people. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be amazing. I'm that, I didn't write that stats down. But uh, Elvis has left the building. Uh, uh, a candle in the wind. Uh, the, the, the things that are written for Marilyn Monroe and for Princess Di. Uh, Everybody passes away. Tupac, his, his, his great tribute is Dare to Struggle. Uh, Kobe Bryant, who passes away. And uh, those who like sports and athletics, you know, they, they mourn the loss. And the NBA basketball players, what they did on a collective day, Kobe Bryant wore number 24. There's such a thing as a 24-second clock that you have to shoot the basketball in 24 seconds or it goes to the other team. And nobody knew that this was going to happen. But when the ball's tipped off and it goes into one team's hand, they held on to the ball for 24 seconds, the same number as Kobe Bryant, and they just held on to it and let the clock expire. And all of a sudden you realized without a word being spoken, what was going on. They were paying tribute to someone that was beloved in their midst. And then when the other team got the ball and it got tossed in, they held the ball for 24 seconds to pay honor to someone. We have all lost someone that we've loved. When Elvis has left the building, basically, you know what that meant? There was a Louisiana uh, a club owner who Elvis played and the people were staying and they just wanted to hear more. And this is what Dan says. No, Elvis has left the building. <laughs> He's not here anymore. It's time for you to go home. And there will be a time, friends, that it's time for us to go home and for us to enter that with all kinds of certainty and all kinds of assurance. I'm gonna read you something that I just love. It's written by the pastor of the Hollywood Presbyterian Church. Once upon a time, there were two boys conceived in the same womb. Weeks passed, and the twins developed, and their awareness grew. And one said to the other, isn't it wonderful to be alive? What a great thing this gift of life is. And they began to explore their world, and they found their mother's cord, and they began to sing, how great is our mother's love that she shares her own life with us. 
Weeks passed into months, and the twins noticed how they were changing. What does it mean, said one? It means that, well, it means that our stay in this world is drawing to a close, said the other. But I don't want to go, <laughs> said the first. I want to stay here always. We have no choice, said the other. Maybe there's life after birth. But how can this be, responded the first. We will shed our life's cord, and how is life possible without it? Besides, we've never seen evidence that there were, we've seen evidence that there were others here before us, and they never came back to tell us there's life after birth. No, this is the end. And as one fell into a deep despair and said, if conception ends in birth, then what's the purpose of life in the womb? It's meaningless, and maybe there's no mother after all. But there has to be, protested the other. However, did we get here in the first place? And how are we still kept alive? Have you ever seen our mother question the first? Maybe she lives in our minds. Maybe we made this idea up thinking that it would make us feel good. So the last days in the womb were filled with deep questioning and fear. And finally, the moment of birth arrived. And when the twins passed from their world, they opened their eyes and they cried for what they saw exceeded their wildest dreams. Would you stand, friends? Lord God Almighty, how good you are. There are resurrected bodies that await those who are here, Lord. May we respond today. May we live every day in light of your amazing eternity. In your name, amen.